You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Today's show, there's actually plenty of Timberwolves news, and it's it's not really positive. There's, outside of the Anthony Edwards sprained ankle, there was another injury in preparation for the Olympics uh, to talk about today. Also, a member of the front office leaving. And uh, then I want to talk a little bit about the draft workouts, the pre-draft workouts, I should say, that the Timberwolves are hosting for primarily second round and undrafted prospects in the Twin Cities over the next couple of weeks or or a few days uh, more accurately. And then uh, we'll close with a little bit of a conversation about Malik Beasley and his value to the team, uh, kind of based off an article, one of our writers, our contributors over at Dunking with Wolves, uh, a piece that he put together. So that'll be the show today. We'll jump into the news here uh, off right off the bat. But as always, a reminder, if you're not already following or subscribed to this podcast, please do that wherever you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, as well as Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at the newly verified at Lockdown T-Wolves. That's at Lockdown T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And also my account at B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N, also a newly verified Twitter account. All right, um, let's go ahead and dive into the the biggest news. And if you haven't heard this already, um, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but Juancho Hernan Gomez was supposed to be a big part of Team Spain headed into the Olympics. He was training with Team Spain in their second kind of warm-up uh, preseason-ish exhibition game in Spain before traveling to the U.S. They were then going to go to Vegas, scrimmage against Team USA, and then go from, from Vegas to Tokyo for the Olympics here in a couple of weeks. In their second tune-up game, though, Wancho apparently... Uh, it suffered a, a serious dislocation of his left shoulder. Um, this was initially just announced as a dislocation. The Timberwolves issued a statement uh, that said, uh, well, first Spain issued a statement saying at this time, the only concern of all parties is the health of the player and that he has a recovery as prompt and satisfactory as possible, allowing him to return with all his strength to the court. Then the Timberwolves issued a statement and their statement said, we are aware of the left shoulder injury suffered by Juancho Hernan Gomez while playing with the Spanish national team. We are evaluating all information and will provide an update when available. Now, for the Timberwolves to issue a statement as a team suggests that it is a significant injury. They did not issue a statement when Edwards sprained his ankle uh, in, in the U.S. Select versus Team USA scrimmage on Wednesday, I believe that was. But the fact that they issued a statement is is notable. And it's also notable that Wancho isn't stateside. He's in Spain, so the Timberwolves haven't ha- gotten their hands on him. Their doctors have not seen him yet to know the extent of the injury. They're relying on reports from Spain, from Juancho's probably agent and, and also Team Spain. So uh, then later in the evening, and, and this this is just all, this is what we got like late afternoon on Thursday. Later in the evening, Dane Moore of, uh, of, of the Dane Moore NBA podcast and Blue Wire Pods reported, and I believe this is the only place this is out there, is from Dane's report. He said, Juancho has a grade four slash five left shoulder dislocation. A dislocated shoulder is a more serious injury than a shoulder separation, often requiring surgery. Players who have needed surgery for a shoulder dislocation have been sidelined up to six months. That was all Dane Moore's tweet from Thursday night. So I, I did a bit more research on this and, uh, you know, not, not an orthopedic surgeon or a medical expert by any means, but 
the basically looks like the shoulder separation and dislocation are obviously very closely related. And basically a severe separation turns into a dislocation. So it kind of falls under that same category. Um, Shoreline orthopedics has basically a grade four and five shoulder separation are dislocations. And uh, so this is shorelineortho.com says a grade five. And again, the report from Dane Moore is this is a grade four slash five. The grade five, according to Shoreline Orthopedics, involves tearing of the joint covering and ligaments connecting the shoulder blade and collarbone, and the end of the collarbone tears through the muscle covering above it. Results in a large permanent bump over the top of the shoulder, the AC joint. Pain lasts four to eight weeks. However, chronic discomfort is common. Surgery is frequently recommended. So, not great. It tracks with what Dane is saying, that very likely there is surgery. Um, Chronic discomfort doesn't sound great. Neither does a large permanent bump over the top of the shoulder uh, for a professional athlete. Now, it could be a grade four, which it sounds like it's a severely displaced clavicle, if that's the case. Um, and But surgical repair is very common, you know, based on a couple of other articles that I read. Um, so, I mean, if, if like Dane is saying, this is a six month injury and, and if pain is four to eight weeks, according to this, this, uh, this orthopedics website, we're looking at certainly missing the start of training camp and likely the beginning of the season. I mean, six months from now takes us into what January, um, which is, I don't know, like a third of the way through the season, or I guess a quarter of the way through the season. So this very likely, and again, we don't know this, this is based on reporting like probably 24 hours after it happened, less than 24 hours after it happened, but it's very likely that Juancho misses the start of the season. And obviously concern is for him and his career and his, his health and ability to get back on the court. But from a, from a roster building perspective, this is this is awful news. I mean, Wancho is one of the guys who actually had a fairly likely movable contract based on, you know, the fact that it was expiring after this year with the team option for the following year. And his skill set is one that is usually in demand, which is a big man that can shoot and, you know, be a solid cutter, be a good offensive player. And he he fit well with what the Wolves wanted to do. He played well at the three late last season under Chris Finch. Chris Finch talked about being excited to have Wancho on the court. And if he's not able to, I mean, it's his left shoulder, he's right-handed. So, I mean, theoretically, at some point, he should be able to be doing shooting drills, et cetera, with his right hand. Um, but this severely impacts his off-season training, which was cut into last year with COVID and then the, the movie that he shot and he came into camp out of shape, then he got COVID-19. Um, so the whole, really, this whole two-year span for Wancho is completely messed up now. And you got to feel bad for him. You feel bad for the team and, and what they're planning to do. Hopefully the, the team gets more information. No idea if he's going to travel with Spain to the U.S. and travel with them to Tokyo or not, or if this is something that will require him to stay home. Um, incidentally, in that same scrimmage, Ricky Rubio had 16 and four and led the led team Spain to a victory. Um, so Rubio continues to be one of the better players on that team. Of course, Gasols are playing and there's plenty of, of recognizable names, former and current NBA players on Team Spain's roster. But this is still a significant loss for them and really awful for Juancho and, and also for, for the Timberwolves. So something we'll definitely keep an eye on um, and, uh, you know, see see what that means as we move through the offseason. OK, next, what I want to do is I want to talk through uh a couple of other topics I want to talk through the Timberwolves front office change, uh, the the draft camp that the Wolves are holding in the Twin Cities that they're hosting. Um, so we're going to get to all that here next. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about our great friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is now in full swing. All-Star break is next week already. You can check all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, as well as the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to 
to bet online on your laptop or mobile device, check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So the Juancho Hernan Gomez news broke late on Thursday, obviously terrible news. Earlier in the day, there was some other, um, I, I guess, it, I mean, it's not it's not positive news to find that there's somebody resigning from their post in the front office, but, um, you know, negative news in a different way. Robbie Sika, who was in charge of the Timberwolves' response to COVID-19 and, and was on the front lines of the league's response to COVID-19 in the early days of the pandemic, um, he's chosen to resign from from the staff at the Timberwolves after about two years. This was first reported by John Krasinski over at The Athletic um, and confirmed through some other folks. And, and actually, Sika had some quotes in, in John's piece. Um, so, I mean, he I said he made the decision last month. He issued a statement uh, to The Athletic. Uh, Sika did. He said, it, quote, it's been an honor and pleasure to help the team the last two years. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to take care of a team that has meant so much to me as a Minnesotan. Um, remember, he did grow up in Minnesota. He was in sports science, sports health uh, before joining the Timberwolves and had consulted, I, I believe, in really every major sports league in, in the U.S., and consulted with the NBA on the response to COVID-19. He worked closely, you know, prior to, and, and I guess also over this last season, worked with uh, Greg Farnham, the longtime head athletic, athletic trainer with the Timberwolves on rehabilitation of injuries and um, prevention of injuries and things like that. Um, in addition, on the COVID-19 side, he worked, he was kind of a go-between between the NBA and some Yale epidemiologists. This is was reported previously, but John goes through all this in his article at The Athletic. He also worked with the White House and the CDC and other groups in the tech world to formulate the response to the pandemic, according to, to Krasinski's article. Um, and then Sika also in his statement said some stuff about being, being a difficult time period in the last year and a half and, and the lessons he's learned and everything. And and it's, you know, it, it would be unfair to speculate why he's leaving, but, um, you know, I, I guarantee you when he took this job, he didn't think he'd spend three quarters of his time as a Timberwolves employee dealing with a global pandemic and the response to it and being unable to physically be with the players and coaches for a stretch of the time. Um, this is, I mean, I mean, Sika, and this is pointed out by John in the article, he's the first person in Rosas's front office, which is now, uh, you know, what, what are we three years into his tenure, or I guess two years exactly into his tenure, just over two years. Um, He's the first departure from somebody that Rosas hired when he came into the front office. Uh, everybody, you know, the VP of basketball ops, Sashin Gupta, uh, Gupta, who'd been with Houston, Philadelphia, and Detroit is still there. And then assistant GMs, Gianluca Pescucci, Joe Branch, and Manny Rohan are all still there. Um, Sika was was not in necessarily the basketball ops department. He was in in the medical side, right, the athletic training side, but was related and had had direct interface with the basketball ops team, and consulted on you know medical reports for draft prospects, etc. So it, it does sound like there's a possibility, and this was alluded to by John in the article, and then I think Chris Hine of the Star Tribune also said this that. There's a strong possibility that Sika ends up consulting with the Wolves in some way and remains connected. Um, it certainly sounds like he's got some other ventures in mind uh, based on his statement that that was included in the article. So best of luck to Robbie Sika. It's it's a significant loss for the Timberwolves franchise, for the organization, um, but hopefully they're still able to to stay in touch with him and, and hopefully Sika does something that that you know, more closely aligns with where he wants to be at this point in his career. So it, not insignificant that this is, this is changing, um, or that there's this significant of a change in the front office. Um, so we'll see if the wolves do anything to kind of cover that loss here moving forward, but we'll keep an eye on that. 
Um, the other thing to note, the Timberwolves are hosting this uh, a draft workout, basically an in-market draft workout is what they're calling it. And it began yesterday on Thursday and it runs through the weekend. It's co-hosted between the Wolves and the Jazz, but it's in the Twin Cities, primarily at Mayo Clinic Square. Of course, the Wolves practice facility across First Avenue there from Target Center. Uh, the workout will, and this is now reading from the team's post on their website from Thursday, the workout will have upwards of 40 players. And Rosas had said earlier this week in his Zoom availability that just because they don't have a pick doesn't mean they'll acquire one. Now, the prospects that are that are at this, and this is out there. I mean, Darren Wolfson had reported on this earlier in the week. It's primarily second second round prospects, may you know at best high second round type guys, maybe very last picks of the first round, but mostly second round slash undrafted guys. Now the Wolves and Gerson Rosas specifically have have made a lot of hay with those types of prospects over the past few years. I mean, think about the likes of, uh, obviously, Nas Reed went undrafted. He was going to sign a two-way deal, was so good in Vegas Summer League a couple years ago. The Wolves gave him a partially guaranteed multi-year deal as an undrafted free agent. Jordan McLaughlin came in as a two-way player, had significant impact two years ago, brought him back last year. And and surely he'll have, whether he's back with the Wolves or not, he's going to have a role in an NBA team this year. He was also undrafted as a four-year player. Um, I guess he had spent one year in the G League in between, but still, an undrafted guy that the Wolves went out and found. Jalen Noel was a second rounder um, and and certainly a name that everybody knew. He was the Pac-12 player of the year. Um, it was actually a little bit of a surprise. He fell as far as he did, but still a solid acquisition. You look at the other two-way players that Rosas has acquired. I mean, Ashton Haggins last year only got into, I think, one game with the Wolves uh, before he ended up being waived for violating protocols in the G League bubble. But that's another player that they identified as, hey, this, this you know, we likely had a second run grade on this guy and and uh, let's bring him in undrafted and, and see what he can do. So the Wolves have made, have done a good job. I would, I would even put Jared Vanderbilt in that category. I understand he didn't, Rosas didn't draft Vanderbilt, but he acquired him very intentionally. I've talked about this on the show before. He didn't need to be part of that large deal that brought Beasley and Hernan Gomez to the Twin Cities. That was a Kate Bates Diop, Jared Vanderbilt swap on the side that Rosas no doubt pushed for and said, hey, we want Vando, we'll give you Bates Diop. The Nuggets were fine with it because they wanted some more experienced depth for a playoff run. Obviously, Bates Diop barely played for them, ended up with the Spurs this year. Um, but that was a great swap for the Wolves. And now Vanderbilt's a restricted free agent, but that's another example of second round talent and upside being identified by Gerson Rosas. So this sort of a workout is really in his wheelhouse. Um, and we don't know a lot about the prospects that are there. Um, you know, you could find a list of some of those guys out there. Uh, but then Rosas also talked about, you know, they they like hosting it in the Twin Cities because let's face it, July is a much better time to get people to come to the Twin Cities than many other times of the year. And they could showcase the market for some of these. I mean, really, this is a bigger deal than say the NFL, you know, the undrafted free agent thing in the NFL is really a recruitment process. They've got guys, uh, they've got front office people on the phone recruiting people to come to their city as an undrafted free agent. That happens in the NBA too. It's on a smaller scale because there's less roster spots, obviously, but there is some level of that. They have to convince the next Nas Reed to sign as an undrafted free agent with the Timberwolves versus, you know, the Spurs or the Jazz or the Pacers or somebody else, right? Um, and it's up to the Wolves to make to convince that player to do that. Um, and the, so in their mind, they can showcase the facility at Mayo Clinic Square and Target Center. They can showcase the city in the summer. Um, I'm sure they've got some sort of programming plan for the people, for the prospects attending the workouts. And then it's also a chance to interface in person with, with executives from other teams. And as we're getting into trade season with the draft here, just a couple of weeks away, just under three weeks away, free agency following right after that trades are going to be, and Rosas has said this publicly and it's obvious. I've talked about it on the show a lot, a lot that trade is the, is 
by far the most likely way that the Wolves will be improving their roster this year with very little cap space, basically no cap space and no draft picks as of today, it's trades. That's the, that, and obviously trades can happen over the phone, email, text, whatever, um, or, or discussions can happen that way. And they often do very rarely are they actually in person, but we know that, you know, being in person, things can happen a lot quicker. Uh, that's always been the case in, in every sport, baseball winter meetings, for instance, NFL GMs meetings, um, trades get discussed a lot. It's a lot easier for that to happen in person at an event like this than it might be, um, you know, uh, over some other medium. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. I certainly don't think anything's going to, anything major will get leaked this week or anything like that, but perhaps this is where the more serious, you know, conversations about, about the Miles Turners and the Ben Simmons and other, other players, the Wolves could be after where some of those conversations could potentially become a little bit more serious. Okay. Uh, last thing I want to do today is talk a little bit about Malik Beasley, what he means to the team. And, and, uh, you know, there is a case to not trade Malik Beasley. I've talked a lot about him being the Wolves most valuable trade chip realistic trade chip to be moved this offseason. But what could he bring to the table? What does he bring to the table if he is not moved and he is a member of this team um, during the upcoming season? Uh, first, though, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is fantastic. It's the best tasting protein bar of all time. It's far better than any other protein bar you or I have ever tried. Promise that. Um, it tastes exactly like a candy bar. And right now there's a limited time flavor. It's Grasshopper Cookie. Grasshopper cookie available this week only. Get the new Built Bar flavor grasshopper cookie. What does it taste like? It's the Built Bar version of the classic Thin Mint cookie. All the flavor without that, without all the sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just five grams of sugar. There are so many flavors to choose from as well. If you don't want grasshopper cookie, you can get coconut, raspberry, mint brownies, fantastic, strawberry, cookies and cream, German chocolate. You could also get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only do they taste delicious, but they're healthy. Check out the macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams net carbs. All the flavors taste amazing. They're all delicious. They're all healthy. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And also, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Fun fact, as we head into the Olympics, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, again, built.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. All right, one last thing to cover today, that's Malik Beasley. I've talked a lot on this show about Beasley being the 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 Timberwolves player that's most likely to be traded that holds the most value, right? Like, obviously, Towns has the most, Towns and Anthony Edwards in some order, have the most trade value of any individual player on the team. Neither one of them is being traded. D'Angelo Russell has value, but I don't think there's a lot of teams that would be super excited to line up to try and trade for him on a max contract. Malik Beasley is kind of the best of both worlds. He's not as good of a player as a Towns or has the upside. He doesn't have the upside of, say, an Edwards, but he's still young with some upside. He's, he's uh, I think this will be his age 25 season. He's got two years plus a team option left, and he'll be making on you know an average annual value of of a little over 15 million over the next few years. So his contract is tradable. He's already a, a by far a plus offensive player. There's a little bit of defensive upside there, and just overall upside because of his age. He's not 25 yet. Um, so. I, there's a, one of our writers over at Dunkey with Wolves, Bradshaw Furlong is, uh, it does a really great job. And he wrote an article about, about Beasley being an X factor for the, a Timberwolves playoff run next year, basically arguing that he shouldn't be traded because he is, uh, scheme proof. Isn't the right phrase. I think he uses that in the, in the article, but basically he can fit in any offense. He's scheme proof in the sense that 
You don't need to only run him in a certain or plug him into a specific type of offense. Um, as a spot-up shooter, he scored 1.3 points per possession last year, which is just a hair below Joe Harris of the Brooklyn Nets, as noted by Bradshaw. Um, he had a 1.32 points per possession last year, which is phenomenal. He Beasley shot 41.3% on catch and shoot threes on more than third, or excuse me, more than six attempts per game. Um, the shot gravity of somebody like Beasley really helps out somebody like Towns and vice versa. I mean, teams are petrified to leave either one of those guys open. They're more likely to leave Towns, or excuse me, they're more likely to leave Beasley open to double Towns or to fly by Towns and try and try and distract his rhythm. And Towns is such a willing and able passer that Beasley, who didn't get a chance to play a ton with him last year, remember when Towns came back after after first the wrist injury and then the bout with COVID-19, Beasley was suspended shortly thereafter. And then he was came back for, I think, three games, two of which he played terribly in before he was out the rest of the season with the hamstring injury. So we haven't really gotten to see, and this has been much talked about in terms of Towns, Beasley, Edwards, and Russell all play together. But specifically, Beasley and Towns play so well together because of uh, both of their ability from deep and Towns' overall offensive versatility. But Beasley is such a quick release, and he's so good on catch, in catch-and-shoot opportunities um, that he's a perfect match. And also, Bradshaw points this out in the article, Beasley scored 1.21 points per possession on uh, as a cutter. Now, he doesn't he isn't used frequently as a cutter. I think that will change in Chris Finch's offense. Remember, Finch barely got to coach Beasley as well. I think Beasley will have much more opportunity to score as an off-ball cutter Uh as well as a shooter. He's not going to get the ball in his hands and try and create. He's not going to create for others. That's not his game. But the Wolves already have Towns, Russell, and Edwards who all do those things. They're all going to be the high usage guys, the ones distributing for others, facilitating the offense. Beasley can be the off-ball shooter, the off-ball cutter, et cetera. Uh, That's going to be his role. And he fits the Timberwolves perfectly, which is another reason to, to not go head over heels for trying to trade him. Now, if you can acquire a Miles Turner, if you can acquire a... Um, a Ben Simmons, obviously, uh, much less likely a Damian Lillard. I mean, those if those are the names we're talking about, you have to consider putting Beasley in that deal. All things considered, especially if it's a Ben Simmons deal, I'm total. I'd be totally fine with trading either Russell or Beasley in that type of a deal because. But you can't trade both of them. You need to keep some shooting if you're going to acquire a Ben Simmons. But one or one or the other could be traded. I think Beasley generally has more trade value than D'Angelo Russell, but both of them would fit with what the Wolves are trying to do. The advantage to moving D'Lo if you acquire Ben Simmons is that you would then have uh, is that you send out somebody who needs the ball in his hands all the time in D'Angelo Russell, or who would like the ball in his hands a lot, and you keep a guy like Beasley who is a lower usage, if this makes any sense, a lower usage, high volume scorer in the sense that he's really efficient. He just doesn't take that many shots. He can score in bunches though, right? I mean, he's not going to hunt his own shot unless it's in transition or plays are called for him in catch and shoot situations, or he's scoring as a cutter off the ball. Um, I think he's a better fit with a Ben Simmons than a D'Angelo Russell would be. Um, and, and there's a lot of, this is another conversation. And I've talked a little bit about how a Ben Simmons deal could very well be a sign and trade. Maybe it's Toronto and Kyle Lowry goes to Philadelphia and it's a D'Lo or Malik Beasley, uh, hopefully D'Lo going to Toronto. That type of a thing is feasible. And and in that scenario, if you can have Ben Simmons, Malik Beasley and uh, and Anthony Edwards together, that to me is a more, there's more synergy there. Uh, I think that their skill sets would match better in that trio than some of the other, I guess, permutations of and possibilities. Um, so all that to say, Beasley does not need to be traded this offseason. In fact, I think it's entirely likely, probably more likely than not, that the Wolves don't make a major trade and that they run it back with 
it, and honestly, it's not really running it back because these guys didn't play together last year. The end of the season, Beasley wasn't on the court. The beginning of the season, um, Carl Anthony Towns was barely on the court. D'Angelo Russell was gone in the middle of the season. Uh, Anthony Edwards wasn't Anthony Edwards until, what, midway through February? He wasn't even starting until January. Uh, actually, no, until really late January, early February. So there's an argument to be made, a, a very easy argument to be made, that the Timberwolves should not rock the boat. They should run back the lineup that, you know, the, the Towns-Russell duo that was nine and seven when both those guys were healthy last year, the quartet of Towns-Russell-Edwards and Beasley that barely got to play together at Jaden McDaniels in his second season. This is very likely an above 500 team as currently constructed. The question is, what kind of a jump can they make? Can they make the jump from, you know, a non-playoff team to a playoff team? Can they make an even bigger jump with natural improvement from, especially from Towns, but also Anthony Edwards and maybe Jaden McDaniels and some of these other pieces? Um, also, obviously, relative health is going to be important. I mean, those are the conversations the Wolves front office has to be having. Do we roll the dice on trading future assets and current rotation players to try and acquire uh, a Ben Simmons or a Miles Turner or something like that? Or do we think we have enough to make a, shot, a run at the playoffs and, and an above 500 record with uh, you know the guys we currently have on the roster? So um, those are the conversations we'll be having over the next few weeks. We're just under three weeks from the draft. That means we're, what, uh, just over three weeks away from free agency starting in August. Um, so we'll obviously talk about all that here on the show. So be sure if you're not already subscribed or following Locked on Wolves that you do that anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the all new Odyssey app that's spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. A reminder that Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Today's show is brought to us by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. That's all we have for you today. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Talk a little bit NBA finals as well uh, early next week. So be sure to tune in. And if you listen on Apple, go ahead and help out with a positive review. If you enjoy the show, that definitely would be awesome if you could do that. Um, all right. Well, once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Have a great weekend. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, will be live, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, the fantastic Chad Ford, plus Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the all-new Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y.